3: Welcome to the show. It's Monday. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And you're listening to the Word to Stand On for Life. As you know by now, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions. Whatever's on your heart or mind, we'll do the best that we can. You just need to call. 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area, you can call us toll-free at 877 630 KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email your questions to us by emailing questions at CalvarySA.com or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way for you to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit call now, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Uh, Because it's Monday, i got a lot to talk about before we get into questions, so um, bear with me for a few minutes. But because it's Monday, we have our men's and women's and uh, high school and junior high school age Bible studies tonight here at 7 o'clock. You are invited to come, and if you are a woman and can't get here and want to watch, you can live stream uh, the Bible study at CalvarySA.com. Uh, I expect that the Lord's going to move as he always does. Now, I have to tell you, thank you. Uh, I got to meet a whole bunch of you Saturday at Joy of Jesus. I'm going to talk about Joy of Jesus. But first, what a great opportunity to get to hug some of you and and uh, put some faces to some names. We had some people out there who are semi-regular callers, others who are regular callers, and some who are just regular listeners. But it was really, really a thrill that you took the time and came out. Um, just a bunch of you and it was it was wonderful. Now I told everybody that if you'd go you wouldn't believe what you saw out there. You wouldn't believe it and I know that always sounds like hyperbole but that's what every one of you who came from the program saw. What is this and I can't believe all the things that, that are being done out here and the people that are getting saved. So again, thank you for taking the time out. It's, it's wonderful. You know, radio is such a uh, sort of a, and I'm, it's going to sound foolish, but you'll understand uh, personal, impersonal media. Um, to, to get to see some of you and, and uh, just to be able to say thank you for listening, I appreciate it very, very much. We had a great time. Now, I've got to tell you about Joy of Jesus. Um, the last two years... <laughs> The last two years at Joy of Jesus have been unbelievable in terms of the numbers of people that we've had. I don't know what happened all of a sudden, but but in the last two years, we just absolutely overwhelmed that park and the people that, that came, uh, the homeless uh, population that were out there. Uh, it was larger this year than it has been before. Uh, the weather was perfect. It was in the 80s, uh, perfect for me, a little hot for some of the others. But we had a huge crowd of people from the minute we started until the very end. In fact, at the end, um, the people didn't want it to end. We still have long lines in all of the clothes. We had one man um, who, who showed up. Um, just, I can I, I'll, I'll help. I'll do anything. And uh, he decided that the best place for him to be would be standing just outside the exit of the clothing ministry. Now, the, the, the amount of clothing that we were donated, I'm talking about really good stuff, a lot of it brand new. Uh, a lot of it stuff that people made, uh, beanies and hats, backpacks and jackets and coats, uh, blankets, all kinds of things. And for the homeless population, you can imagine how valuable those are. Well, he decided that he was going to stand just outside the exit. So as they laughed and we had personal shoppers for for all of the people in line, so we could think, of, "Here's your size. Here's the kind of clothing you're looking for." Uh, and he said, "I just want to pray for people who would let me pray for him." He said he prayed for over 200 people on Saturday alone. Over 200 people. Uh, we had a concert. We had um, uh, the kids are are. are calvary kids bible school kids were dancing with some of the adults including paula she was there dancing uh... and people got saved we gave away um, more than forty bicycles i don't know how many more but we gave away more than forty bicycles uh... fortunately at the 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 last part somebody donated um, more than a dozen brand new bicycles and we give those away just kind of a random drawing uh... at the end of the day on saturday um, there was one kid who we couldn 't help but to watch all day, and he it was like somebody put him in charge he wasn 't from our church but somebody from the from the downtown area and It was like his mom or dad or somebody put him in charge of his two little brothers and One little brother was pretty compliant, the other one was just everywhere and this kid worked so hard all day trying to keep the the, 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 the his brother safe at the end of the day we were down to maybe three or four bikes left and his number was called he won a bike you should have seen the smile on his face it was just unbelievable it was just one of those things now let me speak to you as a pastor for a moment because i got to serve with men and women who are like heroes to me to see the amount of sacrifice the amount of circus service the, the the heart with which they were served we had um, uh, a, a massage uh, unit where the people from the park, the homeless population, should come. And and usually there's not a huge line there. There hasn't been in years past. This year there was a huge, huge line uh, for massages. Just the, the idea of touch it was uh, amazing. And people were being shared the gospel with while they were being massaged. Uh, We had makeovers, manicures. uh, Of course, Multimedical was there. We had some medical emergencies among the population of the homeless, and we were able to minister to them. So over and over and over, we gave away pillows and reading glasses. We served more than 1,500 hamburgers and sausages. There was just so much that was going on. It was hard to keep track of it all, hard to get it all in, but it was absolutely phenomenal. So, so those of you who prayed, we want to thank you. Uh, we got some time. In fact, we got quite a bit of time on Kins Five um, and Telemundo. Um, their reporters were out there and did some interviews. The only thing that was not good, they gave us time and they showed all the stuff that was going on at the park. But they changed the name, I guess, and I, I, we should expect this, I think, from the media. But um, you know, this is our twentieth joy of Jesus, and they interviewed me, and I didn't get uh, make the newscast, and probably because I said Jesus too much. But we kept telling, this is Joy of Jesus, this is Joy of Jesus. Well, on Kins 5, on the website, and on the uh, the uh, television broadcast, they changed it. They called it our Make a Difference Day, our, our annual Make a Difference Day. And at first I was really upset with that, and I don't know what I expected, but, you know, they changed the name of our event. It's the Joy of Jesus Celebration. Um, we've been doing it. This is our 20th one, and and a reporter didn't want to say Jesus. So it was our Make a Difference Day. So those of you who saw the news story, who've gone to the Kins 5 website, uh, it wasn't a Make a Difference Day at all. Every day for a Christian is a Make a Difference Day. It was Joy of Jesus Day, and the joy in the park was everywhere. It was everywhere. We had a few casualties um, for the first time ever, and we've done this at Travis Park every year. For the very first time, we had bees everywhere, and especially in the coffee ministry, uh, which is always crowded. Um, The bees were everywhere, and three of our people got stung. I don't know why there were bees this year. I don't know whether it's all the rain we've had or whether it was because they took the statue out and planted a bunch of flowers where the statue used to be. But there were bees everywhere. But beyond that, the day couldn't have gone better. Um, we, had, yeah, If you were at the park or, or drove by, you saw this sea of bright gold shirts. Uh, we do that so we can identify who's uh, serving and who's being served. Uh, it was just really a great day really great day so thank you thank you for your prayers once more thank you uh, those of you actually came out to the park we had a great great time and to meet you for me and paula was really really a wonderful thing so thanks a lot and uh, uh, there was a lot of tired people physically tired people but spiritually refreshed people at church yesterday Okay, let's get to some questions. We'd love your live calls. Last week the phones were a little bit slow. Let's see if we can do better. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. My first question comes from Robert. His pastor, on a friend, says that when we die, we just cease to exist instead of going to hell. Uh, I hope that's true, but it doesn't sound right. Well, Robert, that's discernment. Doesn't sound right because it's not. Right, You know, one of the things that we've always been able to do is rationalize um, believing what we want to believe instead of believing what's true. And people, unbelievers, who reject Jesus Christ uh, because they abhor the idea of hell, sometimes even professing Christians because they can't imagine a loving God sending anyone to hell, comes, uh, they, they come up with these kinds of false doctrines. Um, A couple of things I want to say. First, when you said, I hope it's true, Robert, it wouldn't be good if it's true. It wouldn't be good if it's true because then there would be a God who is um, not just. We'd serve a God who doesn't tell the truth. And if that's the case, of course, he's not God and we're all lost in our sins. And the truth, Robert, is that we're all born in the image of God. Uh, Adam was created in the image of God. You and I are recreated through the process of birth in the image of God. What that means is two things. One, we have the capacity to choose. That's not germane to this conversation. But the second is that we're all eternal. Once we start living, we're going to live somewhere forever. Forever and there's only two options we live with God or we live separated from God we call separated from God hell we call with God heaven and if that's not true Robert then again we're we're lost paul says that we're to be pitied beyond uh, all other men so uh, this idea of annihilationism, or, or uh, the, the, the more evil twin to this is universalism, somehow everybody makes it to heaven, completely, completely disavows the sovereignty of God, the, the justice of God, the love of God. And it's not that people are sent to help by God. They choose it on their own. And we need to understand that as Christians, Robert, we never need to apologize for God keeping his promises John chapter 3 Jesus tells Nicodemus that when we are born we're born into sin we're born condemned already and since we're condemned already though he wasn't obligated to God sent a rescue mission he sent us a savior Jesus and all we need to do is believe so we're not bound to go to hell we can take the opportunity to ask Jesus to forgive us the answer is yes the good news is that he longs he loves us so much he died to prevent us from going to hell but we're going to live somewhere forever Robert we're going to live with him or we're going to live without him so I hope that helps Robert I would tell you to talk to your friend very directly um, His argument might be emotional, but it isn't biblical, and we have to have an anchor for the truth. So I hope that helps. Eli wants to know, what does ecclesiology mean? Um, That's a theological term, Eli, for um, how we approach church. Uh, The church is ecclesia, the called out ones, it's the Greek word. so ecclesiology means how we approach church and there's all kinds of different approaches Um, it it deals with everything from church government to uh, the structure of the church it deals with the way the body interacts together with one another so it, it, it takes in a lot of ground I think the one thing that we need to remember Eli is that we don't have to guess on these issues The book of Acts tells us what the church is, who the church is, and what the church does. And if we take our cues from the second chapter of the book of Acts, then what we realize is that God is the one, Jesus the head of the church. God is the one who tells us how to interact. And so that's as without boring you as succinct as I can be about ecclesiology but it's really important that our ecclesiology is based on what the Bible says and of course we know that from from the word of God 340 for your live calls and questions here's a question I really like, Manuel um, is it okay to pray for the things we want? of course it is um, Manuel the, the, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul says with thanksgiving make your request known to God. With thanksgiving make your request known to God, that means the only prerequisite, one is to be saved of course, but the other is when we approach God and ask for the things that we need or ask for the things that we want, we have to have a grateful heart. That's all, we just have to be grateful. And then we can pray for other people. We can pray for our needs. We can pray for direction from God. Of course, it's okay to pray for the things that we want. Now, here's some of the things that get in the way of praying for the things we want. James says that we have not because we ask not or because we ask amiss or with the wrong motives. And if you ask with the wrong motives, then you're not going to get what you're praying for. Our motive for prayer ought to be for the honor and glory of God. We ought to, like Jesus, be able to say, Nevertheless, thy will, not my will, be done. And when we understand that, then we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, Hebrews says, that God will meet us there in our time of need. Confidence, knowing that God wants to answer our prayers. One of the things, um, and well, that it's the, the hardest thing for me to convince people of. And I, I really don't understand this. After almost twenty-four years, I don't understand it. Um, uh, people are are slow to ask God for the things that they want. I I don't know why. God wants to bless us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to make sure that we're in His will. He He wants to 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 come into people's hearts I, again, uh, we ought to be the men and women who, who pray and pray and pray Paul says in his uh, letter to the Thessalonians um, to pray without ceasing so yes, we can pray for the things that we want we have to make sure our heart's right with God that we're grateful to God and that we're willing to accept His answer whatever it is so yes please be a prayer warrior one of the things I tell our church here all the time Manuel is that um, when God starts answering prayers then his people become prayer warriors and I love the fact that I can go to God with anything I got a pretty big imagination and, and you know we've got a lot of needs here at Calvary Chapel and um I can go to God with anything. All I got to do is say, "Lord, you know if it's best for me or if it's not, but this is the desire of my heart." Now, one other comment here, Manuel. I think that we need to be careful that the central focus of our prayer is not ourselves. Prayer ought to involve worship, prayer ought to involve Um, um, uh, sort of an awesome awareness of who he is we ought to be aware of the honor that we have of being able to go into the throne room of God you know we call people and if they don't pick up they don't return phone calls we don't even get to talk to people we can talk to God every day but we need to understand that we're on really holy ground when we pray that means that we have to be living a life that's pursuing personal holiness And if those conditions are met, if your heart is grateful, if you're living a life, walking with Jesus, that means you're walking in the light, then He's going to answer your prayers. He's going to answer your prayers. Once more, if He starts answering them, you'll never stop praying. Here is a question from Randy. He says, Pastor Ron, my question is about the book of Revelation why is it so difficult to understand is there any real value for us in it or is it just to scare people away from hell um, Randy Revelation is is maybe my third favorite book um, in all the Bible um, and, and please don't mistake this for arrogance because I don't mean it that way at all but I don't think it's difficult to understand at all if you take it literally now there's some symbols in the book of revelation that we can't imagine what they are the the locusts that's sting. i mean there's all kinds of of symbols in there john remember was receiving a revelation from from heaven he couldn't understand them all either he was just trying to write what he saw but the the real key to understanding the book of Revelation is the first chapter, verse 19 when John is told to write the things that are let me me go back one the things he's seen, that's chapter 1 that's the the wonderful revelation of Jesus Christ the things that are that's chapters 2 and 3 Um, that's the seven letters to the churches the real churches and time and space and God had a word for them the things that are and then finally the things that are to come and the things that will be and that's the rest of the book of Revelation uh, from chapter 4 through the end of the book and if you understand that outline it helps you realize what the book is all about now there's some hard things in the book of Revelation Randy, there's Um, um, judgment, the great tribulation, the the, the overwhelming numbers of people on earth that are dying in the judgment. And and I, I hope your heart's tender to those things. Those things should hurt, but they're not difficult to understand at all. All of the symbols in Revelation, every one of them is explained in the Old Testament. One of the reasons I so like recommending that people read the Book of Revelation is it drives them into the Old Testament to to sort of figure out what they're what they're reading. Um, so so again, with apologies, I don't think it's difficult to understand uh, at all. Um, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, promises a blessing. He said, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So Randy, dig into it. There's blessings that are awaiting. Now as to your second question, is there any real value for us? Of course there is. You see, our message of carrying the good news also carries some bad news with it. There is judgment that's going to come. The good news is that you can escape it. But the whole book of Revelation should put a a fire of urgency under those who read it. And if we get that, if we get that, Randy, then the urgency transfers to our mission, to our ministry, to, to the message that we communicate to others. So there's great value. By the way, chapters 2 and 3, let me recommend uh, my studies um, in Revelation 2 and 3, the, the seven letters to the seven churches, um, because the entire book, according to chapter 1, is a prophecy, then there's great personal and practical application for each and every one of us as Christians some 2,000 years later in terms of the messages to those seven churches. So there's great, great value. Randy, all the stuff on our website is free. It's easy to access. Um, Just go through with me the first three chapters um, and see if that doesn't really have great value for you. Jesus is coming soon. I don't know when, but I know he can't be long. But in the meantime, As he tarries, as he delays his coming, because God is patient, unwilling that any should perish, then that should light a fire under all of us to try to save the people, to share the good news with the people that we come into contact with each and every day. I think it is a book that is um, impossible to overstate uh, its value, uh, its importance, and and how practical it is for us. So I hope that... um, makes some sense to you 340-9585 when we share revelation Randy we confirm uh, the prophecy to those who might be left behind at the rapture it's a valuable book thanks Randy we've got 30 minutes left in the program we'd love your live calls 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR we will be back in two minutes
1: To the word to stand on for life, we're taking your calls at three four zero ninety five eighty five or toll free KSLR. Now here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
3: Welcome back to the program three four zero ninety five eighty five. My producer here in the studio said, "Boy, that two minutes went by fast." I said, "That's a picture of my whole life. It's just unbelievable how fast things are going." My wife Paula sent me a picture today of my grandson with his prom date. Think about that. With his prom I've got a picture of my office when he was like four years old. And I got the other pictures of course while he's a little bit older. But now he has a prom date. Where did the time go? Um, I, I I neglected at the top of the program, um, to do something. I was so excited about Joy of Jesus, I forgot I want to talk to you, Art um, we've been praying for you. Uh, the question uh, about the song, um, as best we can figure, um, the song is, is really called Jesus Lord of Heaven and it's written by Phil Wickham. You can Google Phil Wickham and, and uh, have somebody find it for you. And that song. See if that's it. If not, we keep trying. But but that's the only song. Uh, your love is deeper. That kind of thing in it. So um, that's that's the only one my worship pastor could remember. And we haven't done that song in quite a long time. Uh, so I hope that helps. Art, uh, uh, a lot of people are praying for you. I can promise you. God bless you, and thank you for the call the other day. Let's get to some questions. Again, we'd love to have your uh, live calls. Here is a question from Dennis. He says. What's the best way to find God's will? I can't seem to know what God wants from me. Dennis, you really can. You really can. I, I'm going to assume for a moment you've got a Bible uh, program on your computer or on your phone. Um, so, so let me give you an idea uh, how you can know what God wants from you, what, what God's will for your life is. Um, find your concordance and put it is God's will in there. And then follow that. Or just put God's will and follow that. The great personal Bible studies, devotional studies, by the way. Because here's what we can know. Now, I want to make this clear. When I get this question, most of the time it's, well, what does God want me to do? Where does he want me to go? When does he want me to do this? But, But you see, the way we find God's will is to be in it today, get up and be in it again tomorrow. And you continue to do that, and then you you look in your 5 years or 10 years or 20 years down the road, and you realize, hey, I've been right in the middle of God's will all along. So here's how you find that place. You do what God's will tells you to do. It's God's will, we're told that you should avoid sexual immorality. It's God's will that you walk in the fruits of the Spirit. It's God's will, if you're married, Dennis, that you treasure the wife that He's given you instead of complaining about her. It's God's will that we are sober. It's God's will that we are kind and gentle and loving, again, the fruits of the Spirit. And when we do those things, the mechanics of God's will, the, the place, the timing the ministry callings, all of that takes care of itself. You see, I think sometimes, Dennis, so many of us, we, we fret and we fret and we fret. What does God want me to do? What's my calling? What are my gifts? And the way to find those things out is to walk in what we know the will of God is right now. For the Christian who doesn't do what God has already told them to do. Let's just say somebody's having sex and they're not married and they're, they're, well, well, what's God's will for my life? Or somebody's looking at pornography. Well, what's God's will for my life? You're never going to find it. As long as you're walking outside of the will of God that is already revealed to us, well, you're you're never going to find God's will if that's a description of your life. If you're not being kind, if you're not forgiving people. If you're not giving Jesus your anger, you see what He wants is you. When you say, "I can't seem to know what God wants from me," then is He wants you. He doesn't want stuff from you. He wants you. And when you are with Jesus, you're going to walk right into the middle of His will every single day. So don't look down the road. Don't look to the future walk with Jesus today do it again tomorrow and you're going to be I call it here at the church under the spout where the glory comes out you're going to be in that place every single day and not only will you be able to know what the will of God is but you'll be experiencing it and being blessed and a blessing to others as a result of it so that's the way to find God's will that's the way to find God's will what he wants from you is he wants your heart he wants every bit of it and the more of you you give the more of him that will be revealed to you Dennis, I hope that helps here is an interesting question from Esther she says Proverbs says if we raise our child in the ways of God they will not depart but we know that it's demonstrably not true because many kids from church do leave the faith. Does that disprove the Bible as being God's word? Uh, Esther, your your logic is faulty. First of all, Proverbs and Psalms and Job, Ecclesiastes, uh, these are books of wisdom. These aren't books that you um, um, make doctrine out of. These are, especially with Proverbs, they're general rules of life as observed by King Solomon, who was the smartest, the most um, intelligent man that's ever walked the face of this earth. God's Word says so. So what he's saying, as a general rule, if you raise your child in the ways of God, they will not depart, or when they depart, they will return. So the truth is, a lot of kids who were raised in church aren't Christians, and too often, we who are parents, you think, well, all well, I'm going to do is force my kids to go to church, I'm going to put them in a Christian school, I'm going to make them do Bible studies. Well, none of that guarantees anything. You've got to live your faith at home. Your Jesus, Esther, has to be attractive to your kids. And if it isn't, and your kids decide they want nothing to do with mom and dad's Jesus, then that doesn't disprove the scripture or the, the, the generality of the truth that they will not depart our responsibility as Christians is to raise them to know Jesus to make Jesus somebody that they want to know they need to see Jesus blessing mom and dad they need to see a mom and dad in love with Jesus not just church you know over and over and over in our time in Texas we've had people say I know I gotta get my kids in church I know my kids should go to church no we're the church we should be with the church the family it's not something you do for your kids you know you force your kids to go to youth group you you force them to get baptized you send them to retreats and camps none of that is raising them in the ways of God you see the ways of God can be summed up in one word love I've been on a roll here every Sunday for a while doing baby dedications and one of the things that I always say Esther when I'm dedicating that baby is that we're not just dedicating this child to you Lord we're dedicating this family we're dedicating this church we're going to be here and, and show this child the love of Jesus so that the very first moment that they are aware of their own sin that they would want to repent of that sin and come to know Jesus But you see, it's not about going to church at all. It's about Jesus. And if you raise your child to know the real Jesus, then that child is not going to want to rebel. Now, will they? Some will. Pastor's kids, we had a question last week. Pastor's kids are notorious for falling away. Most often because dad's not the same at home as he is in the pulpit. Maybe the marriage between mom and dad isn't what it's supposed to be, and yet we're telling them, Jesus, 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 but we're not living Jesus at home. So again, this is a general rule. One other thing about this, Esther, I can't tell you how many times over our years here, and one of the great things about longevity is you see the Word of God authenticated in practice. And one of the really great things about that longevity is that we've seen a whole bunch of kids who walked away from the Lord, rebelled when they got a job or when they went to university or any other things they get new friends. We see them go through their own decision-making process, the time when they're being weaned off mom and dad's Jesus so that Jesus now becomes their own. And more times than I can remember We've had these young men and women come back, some broken, some a little figuratively bloody, some who have been hurt because of their sin, but because the Word of God has been planted in their heart, they come back to Jesus. And most often when they come back, they're converts for life. So, Esther, this doesn't disprove the Bible as being God's Word at all. It's a general truth, but it isn't something that we can make doctrine out of. So I hope that makes sense to you. 3409585, Mike says, I have two questions about the Bible. Can any new revelation be added to it? My second question is Do some parts of the Bible, like Jesus' words, carry more authority than other parts of the Bible? Uh, Mike, um, no, there, there's no new um, revelation to be added to it. Uh, in fact, the book of Revelation that we had a question about earlier says that if you add anything to the words of this Bible, then the, the, the cursings that, that are found in this. Prophecy will be added to them. Uh, the canon of Scripture is closed. There's nothing new. If it's true, it's not new. If it's new, it's not true. Uh, you can remember it that way. If if people come to you, Mike, and they say, "Well, you know, God gave me revelation," and, and they're speaking for the Bible, there's a very popular uh, popular, especially among uh, women, um, uh, Sarah Young, her, her little book, Jesus Calling. Uh, and her new revelation is that, that is what she reveals and basically she's putting those things that she writes on a par with scripture. Those things are not true and they are harmful. So nothing new can be added to it and there is nothing in the Bible, Jesus' words that have any more authority than the Pauline epistles or, or the other writers every single word in scripture every single word is written by the finger of God so Mike I hope that helps let's go to a phone call we've got Scott on line one from Shirt Scott thanks for calling you're on the air
4: hey Pastor Ann God bless you brother
3: um, thank you Scott
4: uh, I had something I'm just kind of been um, I don't think about um, and I, I, you reminded me when the, with the uh, message earlier from the lady was questioning the bible because uh, bring up a child the way they should go um i've got a a teenager um 15 years old i guess when he was about 13 he started questioning i mean he's been raised in the church and we we, we've spent a lot of time with him and uh we're you know we we do a lot of the lord's work and get him involved but at 13 he started questioning um and, and at first he was afraid to even talk to me This i found out from uh, my wife so i kind of took him aside and i try to be open with him um for him to ask anything and everything and my idea behind this is i would rather him get the answers now than later on when he's out on his own off to college or whatever and i get a little bit of pushback from some of some of our christian friends if they don't think this is really the right way to deal with that but i just wanted your take on it
3: Okay I can do that so thank you very much for that and and uh, I could not agree with you more uh, in fact if we don't answer honest questions um then, then we're we're leaving the opportunity for the enemy to come and cause even more doubt. You know, this this believe it because this is what we believe as a family, or because this is what our church teaches. None of that flies with kids. We live in the age of information. Uh, your kids, when they're when they're teenagers, they're on the internet all the time. Um, they're going to be exposed to all kinds of ideas. They need to be equipped. And, Scott, there's no better way to equip your child than to sit down and say, what are your questions, and go through those questions and be as honest and transparent as you possibly can. I actually had a a teenager in our church ask his mom and dad, "Um, why are you always yelling at each other if Jesus is real? Those are the kinds of questions that they need real-life answers to. And if we withhold those answers, well, just because I said so, that that doesn't make any any uh, doesn't have any value at all. Now let me say this to to Scott, and and this is something that I get pushed back from, but it really is important. Your children, especially as they become teenagers, questioning is a really really good thing. I referred to it a moment ago, uh, in, uh, with regard to another question, but 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 your children have to be weaned off mom and dad's Jesus. And Jesus has to become their own. So these are really, really good things. The world that we live in is a world that's so radically different than the world most of us grew up in. And when your children are are being bombarded with messages in this world, um, that, that, for instance, homosexuality is a good thing, it's okay, it's an approved thing, we should affirm it. And then from, from church they're told, no, it's not a good thing, it's sin, and, and we need to, to make sure those people can meet Jesus. Well if we don't answer the hard questions, then we just sound like we're being unloving and bigoted and narrow-minded. Instead, Scott, what we've got to do is sit down and reason through the scriptures. You know the great thing about our Bible is that everything about our faith is reasonable. And because it's reasonable, we can explain it. We can get answers to questions. And it's my opinion, probably, Scott, and I'm not judging the people that are telling you uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, uh, My my suspicion is that they don't know the answers themselves. They haven't themselves dug into the Word of God, and they're ill-equipped to be able to answer those questions. The best thing you as a dad can do is make sure that your son can ask you anything let him ask you about sex have have the, those conversations with him let him ask you about about heaven and hell have the answers again Jesus is reasonable believing in him is reasonable and when we expose our children to reasonable answers and when we are consistent with those answers then I promise you the Holy Spirit is going to work so Good for you. Don't listen to those other people. And in fact, maybe God's going to use you to sort of convince them. and the problem, Scott, and I think we've talked about this before on the air, on the air. Um, we live in a biblically illiterate church world, and because we're just so busy, we don't take the time. We don't study to show ourselves approved, right? Uh, Workmen and women rightly dividing the word of God. We don't have answers, so it's better just to say, well, that's just what we believe. And those are the people that end up calling and saying, "Uh, I sent my child to college and he or she left the faith. Well, it's because there was never faith to begin with. So don't dodge the questions. Good for you. I'm proud of you, and and, uh, so is Jesus. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it very, very much. You know, being a parent, Let me add one other thing. This is not just for Scott, but for everybody. Too often I've seen parents whose entire goal is to get their kids graduated from high school. It's like, okay, you're 18, I did my job. Our job as parents is to equip our children to live in this world and to live in a way that honors the Lord and testifies about God's goodness. And if your home is not a home where the Word of God is shared... You're not equipping your kids. You're crippling them. Certainly not equipping them to live in this world. I was sharing with one of the teachers here at the academy today that one of the things I have to constantly remember, uh, and when I say constantly, I mean every day, sometimes several times a day. Uh, I have to remember that we have to prepare individually, but also we prepare our children for the world as it is not as we want it to be or not as we used to think it was. The world's not changing. So our job is to minister in this world and prepare our children to minister in this world. And like it or not, and by the way I hate it, like it or not, our children uh, are not going to disconnect from social media. Uh, they're they're influenced far, far, far more by the opinions of the people on social media and in their social circles than they are by the Word of God. We have ears to hear in this world things from the world instead of the things of God. I mean, just think about it. I opened the program with Joy of Jesus. They they turned Joy of Jesus into a a make-a-difference day. I've never said that phrase in my life make a difference day. Your, your children are getting fed that. And so our job is to equip them for this world, a world where same-sex relationships and, and boys becoming girls and girls becoming boys and the world giving them a standing applause for it. That's the world that they live in. A world where sex is considered nothing more than physical activity. And if we don't equip our children for that world, then that world is going to destroy them. Scott, thanks for the question. I appreciate it very very much. 340-9585. Let's go to line 1. Ray from San Antonio. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
2: Hi, Pastor Ron. That was that was quite amazing. I was I was shocked when uh, yeah, and and you prefaced my question by ending your last comments there about the uh, thing. I, I was shocked when I had watched the news coverage of uh, <laughs> your, your uh, Joy of Jesus, and I had completely – things get by me easily anymore. And I had not uh, picked up on that complete reference of – it being such fake news. I mean to to quote uh, our leader. It, you know, I'm I'm appalled at the fake news. I just I am just aghast. And and as I had called uh, before, you had gotten into your last comment and brought it back up. I thought, well, oh, the Lord is Lord is amazing and and reaffirms a lot of things in us and and I just wonder what is your idea that what is there anything we can do about this fake news or what and and, and, you know what uh, what kind of besides like a letter to the editor kind of you know I mean is there anything we could you know do about this kind of yeah. and I'll and yeah. I'll just listen on the radio okay
3: Th- thank you Ray we're inside three minutes anyway, so thank you for that you know I was teasing with Paula now this is completely tongue in cheek but I, I told her this morning I said you know I'm going to get up in the morning and tweet fake news hashtag fake news um, I, and now again I don't want to get political here and I'm not but um remember i said a moment ago that we've got to live in the world as it is and jesus is not invited into the world that we live in i think for us as christians have expectations that they're going to treat us fairly or they're going to describe us fairly um, you know if i talk to the the uh, the, the, the reporter um, uh, her last name was zuko i think um, um, she would say but, but we gave you great coverage and you got a lot of time on the radio well we don't need great coverage we want the name of Jesus to be championed and that just wasn't her interest it wasn't their agenda we've got to be aware that they have an agenda and we should not have a single expectation in this world that the news media is objective about anything and as Christians we're always going to be misrepresented we're going to be ridiculed and from I'm sure her perspective it was just well we were out there and we covered you well um, but you see we're out there to represent Jesus and it's my opinion Ray that the world that we live in now represents a greater chance for evangelism for winning people to Christ than the world that we grew up in you're not quite my age but, but um, we grew up in a world where we were comfortable. We grew up in a world that was pretty simple, Ozzie and Harriet, and leave it to Beaver, and, you know, that, that's not the world that we live in now. So we should have no expectation whatsoever, and that way we won't get angry, and we won't write senseless letters to the editor. Um, just pray for the people who are mischaracterizing us. Pray for them. That's what Jesus said. Pray for them. Love them. Thank you, Ray. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on this great station, AM 630, The Word. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We'll see you then. God bless you.
1: Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh.